This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Are you ready to enhance your future in tech? Then it's time to make your move to the UK. The nation that has more tech unicorns than France, Germany and Sweden combined. The nation that was third in the world to have a $1 trillion tech sector valuation. The nation where great talent comes together. Visit gov.uk forward slash great talent to see how you can work, live and move to the UK. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Welcome back to Cherry Picking, everybody, and good to see you all. Of course, it wouldn't be Cherry Picking if I didn't have my main man to me on the right-hand side. Manny, how you doing, Manny? All good, Craig, all good. It's been a long time since we did a little picking, and not only do we have some cherries to pick, but maybe a few bones in a few cases, so that should be really good fun. Yes, definitely, definitely. And of course, we didn't do cherry picking um, for the past two Thursdays because we had matches. And it's really weird to have matches on a Thursday night. But, you know, one thing that I was thinking was, could this be the new norm, you know, at AFC Bournemouth in the long run? Um, Because, of course, Bill Foley has said that he wants to get into Europe. But my argument here, and I've made it on a couple of occasions, and a lot of people have agreed with me on this, some people have disagreed, is that it might not actually be very good, you know, for us to go into Europe at this moment in time and probably need a couple of more seasons to actually build up a squad in depth. Manny, of course, you're an Arsenal fan. Um, yep. You know, um, Arsenal well-established European side. You know, it's very mm-hmm. rare to see Arsenal outside of Europe, although it has happened. Um, but do you feel that, you know, I'm right in my justification of let's not jump above our station, let's not get into Europe this year, let's keep building and build something? Because look at Wolves, look at Ipswich, look at teams like that who have done this. Yeah. Couldn't agree more. And uh, for the record, are you lot still in the FA Cup or have you... Um, we are. Back? We are. Um, of course, that was the first Thursday because we was on S4C of all channels. Um, oh, yes, yes, TV, yes. Yes. Um, and I managed to interview somebody of one of the famous programmes from Wales, um, the call centre, 
commonly known as Chickenhead. Um, <laughs> that was his character. <laughs> Do you know what? We had to laugh about that. Um, and, of course, you know Chris from Lester Till I Die. He oh, went yeah. a little bit further on and, you know, was asking about the actual name um in a bit more detail i didn't have the bottle to do that but yeah um, i just said where did you get that name how did that come about <laughs> yeah i mean obviously you know chris um can to some extent maybe get away with that but for people like you and me uh mate there's a reason why some things are just better left unsaid and maybe some questions are better left unasked if you know what i mean <laughs> yeah definitely definitely um but of course let's going back to europe i think you know, Ipswich, you know, back in, I think it was 2000, wasn't it? They went and beat Inter Milan. Was that at the San Siro as well? And they got relegated that same season, um, if I remember correctly. I think it was 1999-2000 or 2000-2001. Um, but they were relegated from the Premier League the same season as they got into the UEFA Cup. And beat. Hmm. Does that ring yeah. a bell? Yeah, I, 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 I've actually got um, the um, our good friends from Google here right now, and obviously there are some links to this. They mm. actually played Inter Milan in uh, 2001, and they, um, I mean, they actually uh, beat them one 0 at Portman Road. Uh, George Burley was um, the boss that time, yes. and of course, bear in mind that um, around about that time, Ipswich were doing really, really well. If memory serves me right, um, the previous season or so, it was uh, Tony Mowbray who was... Um, no, not Tony Mowbray. It was someone else, I think. Yeah, Tony Mowbray, of oh, course, was um, uh, was one of the people who scored in the playoff final. And if memory serves me right, Richard, um, I want to take a look at this. Yeah, what happened was that this was actually the season, um, the very same season that Richard Wright left Ipswich Town to join Arsenal. So there is an Arsenal yeah. connection here. And that season, this season, of course, um, yeah, because uh, I think they got promoted in 2000 and then uh, obviously qualified for Europe in 2001. And on the basis of that, um, you know, um, it was which were able to play into Milan. But then Richard Wright obviously moved to um, Arsenal. And then that was the season that Arsenal won the double while Ipswich did um, get relegated. And I'm going to sort of uh, confirm that right now with the, um, uh, you know, the, the league table. And you're absolutely right. Let's also not forget a situation where, you know, Wigan Athletic um, got relegated but won the FA Cup. Yep. And also there are several examples, of course, of teams who, you know, tried to go on a run in Europe. Harry Redknapp's Portsmouth is one example. They, of course, if you remember correctly, won the FA Cup in 2002, uh, not 02, 08 it was, 2008. Yep. Uh, a certain Solzier, Jeremiah Campbell, who, of course, uh, had um, joined Portsmouth from Arsenal um, in 2006, went on to lift the trophy as Portsmouth captain that day. And they ended up, you know, uh, going on a run, but then they just weren't able to sustain everything. And it just goes to show, Craig, that if you really have ambitions of trying to, you know, challenge for... your uh, for higher things and go on a European run, you have to make sure that you have a basic foundation. And I don't see Bournemouth being able to qualify for Europe based on the league position, especially with the uh, top six or seven clubs doing as well as they are. Yeah. So it will basically come down to how far you can go in the FA Cup. 
And with the likes of Chelsea and Manchester City and others still, and Liverpool, of course, don't forget, still involved in the tournament, you know, depending on how the draw is, it's going to be very difficult. And yesterday, of course, we had um, Forest. Um, I mean, we had Nottingham Forest and Birmingham City play out their replay. Aston Villa and Chelsea had their replay. And, you know, um, Chelsea completely smoked Aston Villa at Villa Park. So I think the draw should be made very soon for the fifth round. And we're going to find out how far certain teams can go. And Villa itself is a wonderful case study, really, because under Dean Smith and Steven Gerrard, they were sort of punching above their weight and doing whatever they could to stay in the premiership. Uh, but then after Steven Gerrard got fired, Unai Emery came in and he took the team from the threat of relegation to European qualification via the Conference League. And they are still um, the favourites to win the Conference League. And they are still, for what it's worth, fourth in the Premier League, although they've got Manchester United coming over to play um, this weekend. Uh, I predict a massacre, sadly, for Unai Emery's boys because, you know, the injuries are starting to take their toll. A few players are starting yeah. to tie a little bit. But... Aston Villa is an example of a team now which, is, which has dreams of building on something. But this, summer, uh, this January, rather, they weren't really able to make too many purchases. I believe they bought Rodgers from Middlesbrough, and uh, that was pretty much it. And one would think, really, that with injuries to the likes of Power Torres and the ex-Cherry Tyrone Mings, with their defence looking as weak as it is, because let's face it, um, Clement Longley, the ex-Tottenham defender, is absolutely clueless. Um, Diego Carlos is not too much better. They've tried playing Ezri Konsa at right back consistently, but Konsa isn't a right back. And um, because Cash is so inconsistent, he ends up getting dropped. With Luca Digne being injured, Alex Moreno has no competition, and at times he looks completely off the boil. So poor Emi Martinez. I know he may be a world champion, but you know, you stick that defence in front of any goalkeeper and they're going to struggle. And on many occasions, he's been the one who's kept them in it. But they're focusing on trying to qualify for the uh, the Champions League or the Europa League, and they also want to win European silverware. But they don't really have that st strong a squad. And you can mm -hmm. see that if they get some more injuries before some of their established players come back, you know, they could end up just um, sinking like a stone. So there has to be that squad depth. There has to be that consistency in play. And I really do worry that um, Foley is asking for a little bit too much too soon. I'm going to tell you something right now, though. For all of the talk about how maybe um, Bournemouth's loss has been Wolverhampton Wanderers' gain with Gary O'Neill going in that direction and doing as well as he's done, I actually think that Bournemouth have started to turn a bit of a corner and are starting to play some pretty, um, some more than decent football. And they, um, from all accounts, look um, really, really good to watch, at least, at least marginally better than they did under Gary O'Neill. And, you know, the results are somehow telling, although against the big teams, e.g. Liverpool, they're still not quite there yet. And with a little bit more consistency, with um, Justin Cloyver having a new lease of life, with uh, Sinistera, Tavernier and company um, playing, starting, starting to play really well. And of course, you've got your old reliable Solanke, Phil Bill, Neto's yeah. um, still, you know, 80% efficient, occasionally has a little bit of a, um, you know, a moment of... Uh, madness in him but then i guess that's what you get when you're a south american i mean it happens to the best of them alison becker's an example well so, exactly <laughs> yeah so i think foley really needs to be very very careful in how he proceeds and everything and you know how we often say that your eyes are bigger than your tummy you put more mm. food on your plate than you can actually eat 
I really think that Foley needs to be very, very careful that he doesn't put too much more on Bournemouth's plate than Bournemouth can eat. And, and, I, and to use another idiom, I know that he's a billionaire, but he cannot write a cheque that the team can't cash. Yeah, I completely agree. And I think, you know, if we build too quickly and we get too many injuries and we get too many games and European football, and you know, as much amazing as it would be to go over to, well, Moldovan champions, <laughs> you know, at the end of the day, it will take its toll on the team, you know, going, flying out from Bournemouth Airport to wherever, coming back, then playing a Sunday game. It's a lot of strain on a side. And, you know, I think at this moment in time, we've got to be realistic that, you know, we need to know where our level is. But actually, I'll tell you what, one thing I wanted to, and it comes straight to my mind, we'll come on to Morgan Rogers because, of course, he's a former Bournemouth player. Um, Ooh, he was nice. on the loan from Manchester City um, back under Jason Tindall. Um, so, yeah, we'll come on to him. Um, but let's go to... Um, Let's let's discuss the um, the Sol Campbell and Notts County. I'll spit my words out in a moment. Um, but Notts County and Sol Campbell. I think yeah. Actually, looking at this, I think it might have been the Scott Park and the Scott Parker that um, with uh-huh. Morgan Rogers. I got my timings wrong. Got my timings wrong, everybody. But Sol Campbell, Notts County. I've always wondered what actually went on there because it was such a weird story, wasn't it? Um, and you mentioned him just a moment ago. I just thought, do you have a clue what went on? Imagine, if you will, Craig, the uh, Jordan Henderson move to Aletifak yes. with the promise of, uh, of uh, you know, uh, money being earned, money to be burnt, as it were, only for you know, given the fact that he wasn't able to uh, claim his uh, fees, the uh, move to go completely sour. Yeah. That it pretty much describes uh, Campbell's uh, sojourn with Notts County to a T more than anything else, really. Mm-hmm. And um, it, it, it bothered me at the time because, look, the bloke had finished a stint with Portsmouth and he was doing um, pretty well. And, of course, he was um, cap- the Portsmouth captain, as I mentioned, who lifted the FA Cup under the stewardship of um, Mr. Redknapp. And, you know, for a guy like him, who was also harboring some ambitions of getting back, um, of, 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 you know, getting back into England contention, because, you know, for some reason, um, under Steve McLaren and then Fabio, no, 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 that was 2008. Under Fabio Capello, for some reason, he wasn't really Mm. um, being considered for some reason. So moving to Notts County really didn't seem like a good move to me. And he kept saying all sorts of vague stuff like, it's sort of an investment for the future. I want to try something different, maybe go into management. But to move to Notts County, yes, um, they have their history. But, (coughs) pardon me. Yes, they have their history. But it was a move in many ways that was laced with a great deal of uncertainty and a lot of, um, you know, Eventually, I think what happened was that there were a lot of um, broken promises and maybe a lot of things that he was promised yeah. at the time didn't materialize. Um, so it wasn't quite like what happened with Mr. Henderson over in the King, uh, Kingdom of Saudi Arabia, 
Um, in Henderson's case, he, he he realized that he and his family couldn't settle. They got a bit homesick and no amount of money was worth, you know, um, bringing the family all the way over there. And bear in mind, his club is based in the city of Dammam, which is um, uh, closer to the, um, I want to say, the Arabian Sea coast, as it were. Yeah. So it was... Uh, they weren't exactly in what you would call one of the bigger metropolitan cities in the kingdom. And it was never going to be easy for the family to really um, settle down. Of course, Damam, I think, does have an international airport. But again, finding good schools over there, it would have been different, for example, if um, he had gone somewhere like um, Riyadh, the capital, or Jeddah, maybe. But Damam, I don't know how far that's developed. And I really don't know if... Um, if being with his old mate Stephen Gerrard wasn't enough to get him to settle, um, then it just wasn't enough enough for him. But Campbell's move to um, Notts County was even more inexplicable. And when you consider that he actually went on to rejoin Arsenal, making his 200th appearance for us, and in fact, I believe he scored, and that was in a Champions League game, if memory serves me right, legend. You know, he actually yep. proved that he could more than hack it. And so he actually played some some brilliant football when he came back to play play with us, and it was expected that he would find a place in England's World Cup squad to um, end up making a record seventh major tournament campaign for England. And bear in mind, he during the season when Portsmouth won the FA Cup, England had of course failed to qualify for Euro 2008. So it would have been seven consecutive, more or less, major tournaments for him. But Capello decided to go with Ledley King, and he ended up getting injured. And Rio Ferdinand also picked up an injury before the tournament and was replaced as England captain by Michael Dawson, if memory serves me right. I mean, King did get selected to play for the squad, but got injured, I think, before a ball was kicked, or maybe he got injured in the first match of the tournament. So maybe, and of course, we all know what happened to England then. So... I think that particular move to Notts County did lead um, quite a few people to sort of question Campbell's judgment in a way. Because yeah. why would a guy who's still at the top of his game want to take such a big plunge down to a club in the uh, lower trenches of the Football League? It really didn't make any sense, especially since in his heart he still had England ambitions. I'm just glad that he was able to come back to us and make his 200th appearance with us and still prove that he was more than capable of hacking it. And, of course, he did help us qualify for the Champions League. And uh, if we could have signed him on a one-year deal, we could have. But then he went to Newcastle and he ended his career there. Go figure. And, um, yeah, so that pretty much sums up uh, uh, Campbell's move in a nutshell, really. And... Uh, whilst you've been talking as well, I've been doing a little bit of research. He only played one game at Notts County. Casper um, Schmeichel also went to Notts County. Of course, Leicester's, well, at that point in the future, winning Premier League winning goalkeeper. Um, and Sven Goran Eriksson was actually the director of football. So he managed to pull in quite a lot of big names um, to the Notts County project, which uh, looks like it lasted a series of one game, which was a 2-1 defeat to Morecambe at Christie Park, 19th of September, um, in fact, 2009. So one of the strangest ones, but I guess very, very similar potentially to the Saudi Arabia story and Jordan Henderson. And I guess 
this is what I don't understand about some footballers, um, you know, is Sol Campbell, like Jordan Henson, very, very good footballer. But you, you want to test yourself against players on your level, you know, not a big payday. You'll get the big payday anyway, because you'll be playing against those players, you know, week in, week out. Whereas if you go to Notts County, and let's be fair, if Sol Campbell didn't decide, this isn't for me, you know, considering his age at the time, it could have ended up being his level, which would have been incredibly sad for him. Luckily, he did the right thing, got straight out of there and thought, whereas like where Jordan Henderson, the Saudi Arabian League, yes, Ronaldo, you've got Ruben Devers, you've got Mitrovic, you've got players that have been bought from international sides going over to Saudi Arabia and playing, but the Saudi Arabian League is not strong enough to actually say you're being, you're competing against some of the best players in the world, you know, and that will be looked at when it comes to internationals and things like that, which, um, you know, I think Jordan Henderson has probably made the right move based on that rather than money. But um, just going back, actually, to what we were saying about Morgan Rogers, of course, new signing for Aston Villa, um, yep. former Bournemouth player. He was on loan. Um, he was on loan under Scott Parker. Um, I did get it wrong there. Um, but... He played 14 times, if I'm right in thinking for us. Um, managed yep. to score 14 times in the league, and he scored his only goal for the club in a 3 2 defeat against Luton Town. Yeah, I was going to say, I thought it was Luton, but I wasn't 100% sure. But he's been playing for Middlesbrough after being on loan. Um, and he's only played a handful of games for Middlesbrough and got this move to Aston Villa, which, fair play to him. You know, anybody would take that. My fear for him is from seeing him that season, is he really ready to jump into a Villa side who are riddled with injuries now? Um, and, you know, it's it's quite sad to see that because at the end of the day, Unai Ray has done a fantastic job getting Aston Villa there in the first place. But, they are riddled with injuries. It was always going to happen because they haven't got the strength in depth of teams like Arsenal, Liverpool, Manchester United, Man City. Yeah, if I were you, I wouldn't include Arsenal in that um, list about strength and depth. But, uh, you know, here, here um, that's pretty much sort of the way it is, really. And, uh, yeah, you're absolutely right. If we take a look at Aston Villa's squad, you know, on paper, they do look as though they have a decent squad, but some of these players have not really been trust trusted by Emery and haven't mm. really been given um, too much of a chance. I take a look at the uh, ex-Arsenal um, defender Callum Chambers, who is, of course, there. And for some reason, how Clement Longley gets to start ahead of him, I have absolutely no idea because Longley no. is absolutely clueless. Um, now, Rogers is a forward. And he's 27 years, uh, 21 years old, rather. He's, he's got the number 27 jersey now. So um, their forward line obviously includes um, Oliver Watkins. And uh, they, they also have Leon Bailey, uh, Musa Diaby, Nicola Zaniolo, Zaniolo. I think Zaniolo has been linked with the move away. 
He's looked decent for them on occasions and scored some goals, but probably hasn't really been able to get that consistency that, um, you know, Emery wants, maybe. And the big problem is, of course, now that with Rogers coming in, I really do think that, if anything else, it's really a signing for future development because, you know, Watkins and Bailey and Diaby are sort of established now as Emery's, um, uh, you know, three to-go strikers. Diaby actually more plays as a winger, but he can also, you know, revert to being a striker in the classic 4-4-2 formation, as uh, does Leon Bailey. Watkins is the only out-and-out striker. So if Watkins does get an injury and, or God forbid, he ends up getting sold to another club in the, uh, um, in, in the summer, then Emery will need some, some sort of cover, uh, some replacement or at least some cover. I think... You've mentioned pretty much that he's sort of, um, I mean, he was obviously on the books at Manchester City with their youth team. As you mentioned, he got loaned to League One, scored a few goals for them. And then with Middlesbrough, of course, I think this was probably his breakout season in a way because he's played uh, 32 games, scored seven goals. Five of them have come in the League Cup. Um, Of course, that was during Middlesbrough's run to the semi-finals, I think. And, uh, you know... Obviously, Emery liked what he saw in him and thought that maybe he's the type of guy who could, uh, you know, make those direct runs and score some good goals. He'd be a perfect, um, he'd be perfect cover for Watkins in case Watkins get, gets injured. Bear in mind, Watkins is also a full England international, having been picked by Southgate and having proven his um, quality there. So that is pretty much why um, Emery's chosen to take a punt on him. And Emery does have a good, have a decent eye for talent most of the time. But of course, like every good manager, for every um, two or three good signings he makes, he will make one signing that does, just doesn't cut the mustard. And uh, I don't know if I don't think Rogers is going to be that signing. I think he clearly liked um, what he saw of him this season at Middlesbrough, and uh, it could very well be that he might sign for Villa and get loaned to another club um, the following season. But then could be called back, and he will get some chances to try and impress the manager and show what he's capable of. And um, we'll see how that thing um, works out. Um, you know, he, he's got age on his side. And um, I think, you know, there's not really going to be too much of a risk with him necessarily. And if Emery does fancy him and really thinks that he can do very well, then, um, you know, why not? Well, um, we have had two games recently. Um, and, of course, those two games are... For- Let's exclude the Swansea win, which was a fantastic result. 5-0 thrashing of the South Wales side. Um, I've got to be honest, Swansea, I've said it before, said it again. Um, you know, Swansea are a side I've actually got a little bit of a soft spot for. They are absolutely atrocious in defence, but they're quite handy going forward, Swansea. Um, and that is why they have been down the bottom end of the championship, you know, they sort their defence out. They'll be competing to get in those playoff places, probably within them, because they've got enough quality elsewhere. But we tore them apart. Um, I don't know how much of that game you saw, but we we did tear Swansea apart. Um, but looking at the other two games, of course, we had the game up at the London Stadium, the 1-1 draw against West Ham started very, very quickly played very very well second half come um, kind of took our eye off the ball you know 
and ended up drawing one all. There was chances either side. I think, you know, to be honest, we still limited West Ham, you know, in my view. And then, of course, at home against Forest, again, a very, very quick start through um, Justin Cliver, Callum Hudson-Odoi, of course, equalised. And then Philip Billing, you know, got sent off. You know, we've got this game on Saturday against Fulham. And, you know, we haven't got three points in the last four games. I don't think it's anything to worry about because, and I'll tell you why. I think that because after this game, we've got Newcastle and then Manchester City, not an easy run before our cup game against Leicester. But in March, March is a season defining month. And in fact, even the start of April. So this is our fixtures, you know, through March and start of April, Burnley away, Sheffield United at home, Luton at home, Wolves away, Everton at home, Palace at home, Luton away before we go to play Man United, which, to be honest, they don't really fear me, fill me with fear at all. This is what I think. I think we're going to be absolutely fine. And, you know, with that sort of run, if we're picking up some decent results in that run, which we should be, we should be beating Sheffield United. Luton, I think, you know, are going to have a lot of fight about them. I think. You know, Everton, we should beat Everton. You know, um, Wolves, do we owe Gary one? I think so. Palace have got nothing to fear at the moment. They've got Michael Lise out now. Burnley, we know what Burnley are like. Um, You know, I feel a bit sorry for Burnley, to be fair. Um, But we will secure our safety during that period of time, without a shadow of a doubt. And... That's the month, and that's why I think Europe is a possibility, but I think it's just way too early at this moment in time because we just haven't got the strength in depth. I agree completely, and let's say, for example, you were to um, win the FA Cup. The sad fact is, um, Craig, that um, the domestic cups, as prestigious as they are, they really um, offer peanuts compared to the uh, bigger prize of qualifying for the Champions League via the league position or winning the league. And without the level of money that you would need to improve the squad, you just um, won't be able to um, really do very, uh, very, very much to try to prepare yourselves for a European run. And Aston Villa, of course, are feeling the effects of it because they had a magnificent start to the season. And um, until recently, of course, when they lost to Newcastle, they had the best home record in the Premier League. But um, the fact that they exited both the domestic cups at home really will be a sore point with them. But they're also realizing now that um, it is going to be very difficult to try to maintain that charge when you have the squad you have and when some uh, restrictions and circumstances mean that you can't strengthen in January for some reason mm-hmm. or another. And um, they're feeling the, um, the stress. Now, mind you, if they can win the Conference League, and I'm pretty certain that they will, they should, because some yeah. of the teams in that Conference League, quite frankly, are not at Aston Villa's level when they play at their best. Although it must be said that Villa did show some signs of uncertainty in the beginning of that competition. And then they did go on to qualify as group winners at the expense of Leisure Warsaw. So 
if they do win the Conference League, then of course, you know, with the confidence gained from Silverware, that could perhaps mean a little bit more money in their pocket. Although, again, like the FA Cup and the Premier League and uh, CL qualification, it won't compare to actually winning the Champions League or even the Europa League. But um, at least they can show they have a, a way by which they can build. And silverware is a, a good way to build if the money that comes along with it is uh, more than good enough. And um, I, I just think, though, that when it comes to Bournemouth, the relative lack of European history means that teams aren't necessarily going to want to come to a new club which proposes an, exci an exciting prospect. I mean, you take a look at Forest, for instance. They've had this uh, knack of being able to get some really, really, really big names assigned to their club. This season, they got the World Cup winner Gonzalo Montiel from Sevilla mm -hmm. and Ibrahim Sangare from uh, PSV Eindhoven. And I think Sangare is now, of course, back in the Ivory Coast um, and, and they will be, um, he will be playing in the final this coming Sunday against Nigeria. So good luck to him. Um, but uh, those two guys, bear in mind that they were... Um, originally a part of two teams that were in our Champions League group. So they yeah. went from potentially playing in the Champions League to joining a Forest team that is now struggling again to avoid relegation and with the threat of a 10-point deduction. So And Forest weren't even going to be uh, even in Europe for crying out loud. So those two guys will probably be thinking, I can't wait for the season to end. I would like to, you know, exercise my um, get-out clause after a year and just get the heck away. Never should have come to the club. Whereas with Aston Villa, at least, you know, they, in addition to having won the Intertoto Cup a few several seasons ago, they were also Champions League winners when it was the European Cup back then. And that is something that Arsenal don't have. And yes, Arsenal fans, if you're watching this, I am going there. <laughs> and uh, as I was saying, with Aston Villa's um, history, um, of course, having been former champions themselves, uh, players will know about the club and they will be more than happy to, you know, be a part of that project, especially when they see consistent building, consistent results. And the work that Unai Emery is doing has been absolutely fantastic. He's got the respect and the backing that he never, that he deserved at Arsenal, but never got, shamefully. And now I think... Um, teams are going to want to try to join that club in the closed season to see if they can't take them a level higher. With Bournemouth, it's, it's going to be a case of too much too soon. And I really don't want to see the club go the way that Portsmouth did under Harry Redknapp that time. And Harry can tell you everything about that. So yeah. it is going to be too fast too soon. And uh, I think really, mate, if you can just concentrate on, on doing as well as you can in the FA Cup, because you mentioned that you got Leicester City um, yeah. coming up. I predict a huge, huge, huge clash between you and Chris from uh, LCIC. <laughs> oh, do, do you know what? We, we, we're trying to sort it out. We're trying to sort it out. Actually, it would be great to actually go together with him um, to that game. So, oh, yeah, it will that be, would be nice. It will be a good laugh. But, yeah, I think... But is, yeah. that, is it at Dean Court or the King Tower? It Power? is. It's at Dean Court. It's at Dean Court. So, yeah, um, you know, a local game for him. But I think, you know, looking at it, you know, get past Leicester City, you know, if we can get a favourable draw in the quarterfinals, we're at Wembley. Now, I, I'm one of those people that doesn't feel that the semi-final should be at Wembley. I agree. I think they should be at neutral grounds, but... Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. 
like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Picture the scene. All of your mates around. You've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Partner this with your team playing champagne football. Perfect. Order mug delivery now on the McDonald's app. There's nothing quite like a McDelivery. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. It's something that we've always dreamt of, you know, going to a final and, you know, I take a semi-final to watch Bournemouth, you know, you know, yeah, went to Wembley to watch, you know, Bournemouth play uh, Tottenham those years ago, but it's not the same, you know, going to actually watch Bournemouth in a game, which actually is either going to be qualifying for the final or winning the trophy will be incredible but again i think it's way too soon um for this side and although it would be funny to actually see what barcelona make of dean court if they um you know end up getting drawn with us in the europa conference league or you know europa cut i I don't even know what it is is it the europa league you get it's europa league it is the europa league and look you really, you really are looking too far ahead because bear in mind, of course, Barcelona <laughs> should still be able to qualify for the Champions League proper. Hey, oh, well, yeah, you, you but, but you know, it would be funny. Real Madrid come down here, of course, for a pre season friendly all those years ago. So, yeah, it would be, um, that would be a night to remember, wouldn't it? Night to remember. Yeah, <laughs> it would. It would. It would. It would. It would. Maybe, um, you know, um, Iriola's former team, Athletic Bilbao, can come down here and maybe, you know, um, uh, have, have a game. Because obviously, let's not forget, he is, of course, a Bilbao legend and a yes. former Spanish international. So, you know, it wouldn't. It would also not be uncommon if um, Iriola were to get a little bit more job security that he might actually go back to either Bilbao or Vallecano and pick up a few players from his, from the, either of those teams to actually um, join him in the project of Dean Core. Because I get the feeling, really, that um, in as much as he might be enjoying um, the challenge of working with these players and getting him to play with their style, and the results seem to be, you know, really, really good. I think. You know, if he has a few more of his um, boys, as it were, I mean, people he know he might know very well, and people who might, with who, to whom he might relate very well, it will be a lot better. And let's not forget that um, Emery did actually bring um, Zaniolo from the uh, from La Liga. No, no, it might have been from Serie A, but he did also bring quite a few um, players um, from uh, from Villarreal or another Spanish team to come and um, join him at Aston Villa. So. Maybe that is what Iriola can do, and that should be for next season. So this season, I think, just focus on winning all the games you can and finishing higher than what you did last season. Because last season, you know, you so you achieved your target of relegation, but then you completely took your foot off the pedal and ended up finishing a little bit lower. And I think that was what really, yeah. uh, you know, um, stimulated um, Foley's trigger finger, as it were. So... You really, um, if you want to really show, um, to give it, give it, give, ugh, 
If you really would like to give people an impression that you're a club on the up, you've got to finish on the up a little bit higher than you were last season. You've got to show those signs of progression and then you can maybe talk of Europe. I think, um, yeah, Foley is being a little bit overambitious in the way and maybe um, there will be a part of him that eventually says, well, calm down, son. Too far, too much, too soon. Uh, it's really now not the time for it. But, uh, you know, I really, I'll be interested to see how well Bournemouth do and how high they finish this season. The next season, if they can um, do really, really well, um, who knows what could happen? Well, um, we did in the last cherry picking talk about transfers, and it's quite interesting we do this um, cherry picking today because Mark McAdam um, will come on to NSU now in a moment because, of course, he actually. Um, join the club on loan um so exciting exciting signing that one but mark mccadam has put out a tweet and bournemouth have agreed a deal with leeds to turn louis sinistera's loan enough to a permanent 20 million pound transfer uh, oh, the colombian has scored three goals since joining the summer i'm delighted with this Absolutely delighted with this, but I wonder where does this leave Jaden Anthony? You know, how many games has Jaden played this season for you lot? Well, he's been on loan at uh, Leeds. He went as part of the deal, so Sinistera went to come here, and Jaden went there. Um, now the thing is is Jaden hasn't really had that great a run in the lead side. So I would be surprised, and there's no mention of this, that Jaden would sign for Leeds permanently. So I'd expect Jaden to come back. But now Sinistera is joining. Jaden Anthony is such a good young prospect. Of course, he's a former Adam, uh, Arsenal Academy player, isn't he? Um, yes, he is. Jane Anthony. Um, and, you know, I think it'd be a crying shame for him, um, you know, to actually leave the club. But does he have to leave the club or do, does he go back out on loan? Because I think there's a player that is still really useful for this football club in Jaden Anthony. But Sinistera, I'm absolutely delighted with the move that we've made. If the, if well, Mark McAdam is very rarely wrong. So, um, you know, I can imagine this happening now. I think he probably might be uh, more correct than a certain Fabrizio Romano, who a lot of my mates seem to rate very highly indeed, mind you. <laughs> and, um, yeah, listen, it is really sad because if I do remember correctly, Jaden was a fairly key player under Gary O'Neill when he was yes. um, here. And it is a bit of a shame that he hasn't really um, done too much. In fact, I want to take a look at um, Jaden's stats under Iriola this season and see how well he's, um, you know, um, done, really. And... Uh, because, um, yeah, I, I completely, he's 24 years old now. So, in theory, mm. he should have more years ahead of him. And, uh, of course, last season, he was, of course, a fairly key player for them. Yeah, he made 30 appearances in the Premier League and scored yeah. a couple of goals. Uh, another goal in the EFL Cup, tape, make, tape, making him sort of, that takes him to 34 appearances and three goals. But this season, he's made three in the Premier League, one in the EFL Cup. I want to take a look and see. Um, I think it's yeah. Looks like 21 yeah. for Leeds. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah, he's uh, it's nine appearances in the league, 
um, one in the EFL Cup. No, he's he's only made um he's only made ten appearances, mate. Ten nine appearances. in the league, nine at nine in the league, and uh, one in the EFL Cup. And there we so go. he played Wikipedia he played the first lies. few games of the season under Iriola, and then yeah. um it was the swap deal with um Sinistera. <laughs> now it could very well be that um you know Jaden might end up signing for Leeds because obviously if Sinistera, who came in uh, ended up replacing him is now pretty much regarded as um, one of the main men under Iriola, then that really yeah. would be um, rather harsh, to be honest, for the young bloke. Because, uh, you know, I completely agree with you. He hasn't really done too much wrong. But um, that is, uh, you know, the nature of the beast in many ways. It's like, you know, it, it is a cutthroat business. And obviously clubs have to take a look at um, what will be uh, the best thing for them going forward. The manager also has to make that decision. Um Hang about. It does mention, though, that he... Um, I don't know why it's mentioned that he made 21 appearances. Yeah, because, it's uh, very, very strange, isn't it? Um, it's, it's, it's Wikipedia. It's Wikipedia. I mean, yeah, some of these... Some of these um, um, idiots sad. online try to mess up these pages. It's ridiculous. We've caught but, it uh, just the wrong time. <laughs> shame on you. Shame on all of you who've done this. Seriously. Yeah. But... Uh, yeah, so it could, like I said, it could very well be that he ends up joining Leeds, which wouldn't be too bad. It could very well be that he ends up joining a team next season that gets uh, promoted from the uh, championship all the way to the premiership. And, of course, speaking of that, a certain Mr. Keith Moore has joined Ipswich on loan, and Ipswich are, of course, yes. second in the championship. So my guess is, Craig, that if Ipswich do manage to get um, promoted alongside the Foxes, assuming those two, those visions don't change, and um, you know the uh, the Foxes and the Tractor Boys both get promoted, then you know Kiefer could end up uh, staying at Portman Road for more time as he signs for them permanently, because it does seem clear to me that for some reason Iriola doesn't really have too much of a purpose for Kiefer, too old-fashioned really for his um, taste. The old-fashioned target man, uh, reminiscent yeah. of um, Niall Quinn back in the day, if you remember. And, uh, you know, maybe Iriola wants to sort of see that sort of a revolution. And moving away from Dean Court wouldn't necessarily be um, the worst thing for Jaden. I mean, it would be a wrench to leave a club that he spent as long as he had, um, uh, for a way he spent as long as he has spent. But, uh, you know, a new challenge is um, probably something that could gear, that could bring out the best in him in many ways. And, uh, you know, it's going to be um, about five, four or five seasons that he's been at Bournemouth. Maybe a change will do him a little bit of good. And uh, nearly nine, nearly 100 appearances for the Cherries. But maybe it is time for him to move on and try something new. Um, if he is able to um, do, do as well as he can at Leeds and help them do well, then, you know, I don't see why they shouldn't sign him. And, of course, they're also a club which is looking to try to um, get back into the upper echelons of the Premier League themselves, having been relegated yeah. last season. So if we take a look at Leeds' current season right now, of course, thank goodness for Wikipedia being available at the click of a mouse. <laughs> Leeds United are third in the championship. And, in mm. fact, Ipswich have fallen to fourth. But uh, Leicester City, Southampton, Leeds and Ipswich are the top four. West Brom and Hull City complete the top six. So... You've got Leeds United, you've got Ipswich Town, 
Both of these guys have got two cherries on loan. Both of these um, teams are, you know, competing very hard for promotion. It could very well be that um, Jaden and Keith end up staying at those clubs um, permanently. And if Sinistera makes um, his switch to Bournemouth permanent, then Jaden does the same thing. It wouldn't be too bad for him. And maybe away from the uh, goldfish bowl that is the Premier League, he can work further on his game and um, win-win situation as far as I can see it. Look at Solanke. Look at what, you know, the championship did for him. And I think, you know, he become a better player because of those two seasons in the championship. Would he have been the same sort of player he is now without that? I personally don't think he would. I don't think he would. Um, but we got everything pretty much spot on during the last cherry picking with regards to outgoings. Didn't get the incoming right, though, at the time, which um, was a signing from Getafe. Um, and Ennis Younau. Um, now, this player, I think that this is a Iriola signing. All over, I think this is an Iriola signing. Um, he's somebody who, you know, from what I've seen of him, you know, is quick. Plays a little bit like Solanke. You know, I think on average, I think he's got like a goal every three games. So he's got a good track record. Of course, he was at Manchester City for a while, wasn't he? Um, yeah, there he was. Yeah, uh, Turkish international. Um, done very well for Turkey. You know, risen through their ranks. I'm excited by this. I think that this is just the right player that we've gone after and it is a loan but it's a loan that if we feel we want to we can make permanent that would be terrific and bear in mind he obviously signed for Getafe on uh, 2020 on a five-year deal yeah but obviously now with the three of those seasons um three and a half of those seasons gone he's uh, come over to Dean Cor and um the loan obviously might be until the end of the season, but if certain conditions are met, then it could be permanent. And uh, you're absolutely right. With Getafe, it is a goal every three games, almost exactly. It's 34 goals in 103 games, just less than a goal every three. If you're if you want to do the math and be the math yeah. and be pedantic there, but uh, pretty decent stuff. And of course, as a Turkish under-16 international. 25 goals in 24 games, 9 and 12 for the under-17, 6 and 6 for the under-19. Dried up a little bit at under-21 and senior level. But he seems to be a person who knows how to um, find the back of the net. And, uh, you know, this is actually the kind of striker that could potentially do well. It just seems to be a little bit alarming, really, in a way, that before Getafe, he was always on loan at several clubs, never really got settled. I mean, at Villarreal, he was there um, from 2017 to 2020. So, ironically, he might... I don't know if he would necessarily know Unai Emery. Maybe he would. I don't think so. No, he probably would. Actually, yes, he would, because Emery got sacked in 2019 and then uh, joined um, Villarreal later on. So, maybe their paths might have crossed. I don't know. But uh, at Villarreal, he never really settled. Made 23 league appearances in... in about three or four seasons, in three seasons, in fact. And then uh, at Valladolid, he was a little bit more um, successful, 68 appearances in three seasons. So you could say that now he's coming into his own. Now he seems to understand his game. And so this is an example of how 
in contrast with Morgan Rogers, this is a, an example of getting someone at the right time. Maybe the goal returns are not quite as high as you'd like them to be, but there's nothing. That's nothing to say that he can't improve on that. Yep, definitely. And I think, you know, he is an outstanding player, you know, a player that, you know, really does excite me. I think he's a player that, you know, will, you know, drop back. He'll, you know, it's a, it's an areola signing. It doesn't feel like it's come from the director of football. Um, exactly. And, and, and that's what, that's sort of what I'm sorry. 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 Go ahead. No, that's all right. No, that's fine. Um, I personally think that that is just the way it needs to go. Of course, with Richard Hughes also being mentioned and touted by Liverpool, I think, you know, it's good that the club are trusting Iriola to make these signs. It, it hints all Iriola this. Absolutely. And it segues back to what I was talking about earlier, about how Iriola needs to start maybe bringing some players from uh, La Liga who he might know very well to come over, come in. Because let's not forget, he was with Raya Vericano as manager. And of course, he played for all those seasons at Athletic Bilbao. So he knows the league fairly well. And uh, he does seem to have a bit of an eye for talent. And that's the thing about guys like Iriola and Unai Emery. They do have really good eyes for talent. Although I will accept that, um, like every other manager, uh, they might have made their share of uh, stinkers when it comes to the transfer market. Yep. And I tell you what, here's a question for all AFC Bournemouth fans, and I'll put this to you as well, Manny. We'll answer it at the end. You now will be the second Turkish player to play for AFC Bournemouth. The second Turkish player. Believe it or not, we did sign a Turkish player in the past. It's not very obvious but there we are i'll leave that open for you all to ponder put it all in the comments don't cheat i'm going to tell you what it is yeah who it is at the end but yeah um, <laughs> but yeah there's going to be somebody uh, yeah i'll type it uh, in can you, uh, just give us a clue though was this bloke who signed for the cherries a full turkish international i believe he was i believe he was um no, he wasn't actually. Um, so he wasn't. No, I've just checked. I've just double checked. He wasn't, but he played in the under 17s, under 18s, under 19s, under 21s. But he wasn't born in Turkey, so, which kind of um, puts another spin on it. So it's a so difficult... my guess is he might probably be. Um... Oh, no, no, no. If, if you're English, you can't play for the Turkish youth teams, really. Or maybe you can if you can. Uh, no, 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 you mm. can't do that. It's quite an interesting story, but we'll come to that at the yep. end. But yeah, yeah, yeah. of course, you know, this weekend it's traveling up to Fulham. Um, the Scott Parker Derby, as we like to call it. Um, we was all both blessed with his um, appearance. Uh, blessed blessed <laughs> blessed with his appearance but um i think this is a very winnable game in my you know fulham another side who have had injuries but a very clever and a manager i really do rate yeah marco silva is pretty much a case of third times the charm 
Yeah. Didn't work with him at Watford, didn't work with him at Everton, but at Fulham, for some reason, he's managed to get them punching well above their weight. They're guaranteed to finish in the top half of the table, albeit not really in contention for the European spots. And uh, this season, of course, my Arsenal team had the misfortune of playing against them twice. They snatched a two-all draw against us at the Emirates and could have beaten us 3-2 had it not been for Adama Traore not being able to finish his dinner. Ramsdale coming up with the save. And this time around, we contrived to lose to them 2-1. Three ex-gunners, Bernd Leno, Alex Iwobi, and of course, Willian Borges running the show and just, uh, you know, snatching the points away from us. We played absolutely diabolically and we deserved to lose that game. And, uh, you know, it just... uh, it, it was that sort of a game where everything was really working well for Fulham, but when it doesn't work for them, you know, they pretty much uh, come a cropper. And yeah. you can count on them to do that. And uh, against Burnley at Turf Moor, they should have won that game, but somehow allowed um, uh, they, they allowed uh, Burnley to uh, come back and uh, snatch a point. And they, sh- they never should have done so. And Silva would have been you know, hopping mad. There would have been no silver lining from that game, pun intended. But, uh, you know, Fulham, of of course, are one of those teams where when it works well, it works really, really well. But when it doesn't work, it looks absolutely horrid. And, uh, you know, they're not a team... They are... When Willian gets his mojo working, and he has looked really good um, since his move to Craven Cottage, certainly all the troubles of his time at Arsenal and back in Brazil are now well and truly behind him as the former Brazilian international enjoys an Indian summer. But, um, you know, they can be beaten and they still, I believe they do have the Chelsea and Albania striker Broja on loan at them. And uh, they still, I don't think, will be able to really um, quite get it together, if you know what I mean. So they're going to have to do a lot of work to make sure that they can stay very much... um, you know, in the game, as it were. And Bournemouth also going to have to be very, very careful that they can get in behind their defence because they do still look fairly um, erratic in a few ways. And if if you can do that, then um, that's pretty much um, almost a battle won, you would say. But uh, there is still a lot more to be um, done with, uh, um, you know, with regard to that that team in question and, and... you lot obviously are going to have to play um, well out of your skins to make sure you get the result you need. But uh, I wouldn't be surprised, um, Craig, if you do come out with um, a good result. It might be a little bit premature, though, to uh, predict a win because, you know, Fulham are, of course, going to be um, very determined to try to um, get something from the game in any way they possibly can. And uh, when they can do that, then if, if and when they manage to do that, then, you know, it'll be all the better for them. So all I can say is be very, very careful how things uh, pan out. Don't expect, um, you know, you've got, you got to make sure that you are on the ball from the very beginning because Fulham can uh, come back at you and come back at you quite hard. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Well, hopefully, fingers crossed, we'll be celebrating another three points. Um, you know, of course, four without, you know, winning. Um, but then again, you know, we have got this run coming up in the Premier League. I think we'll be absolutely fine. Relax. It's all going to be good. It's all going to be good. Um, but before we sign off, I think, you know, of course, I left it, you know, a couple of minutes. Everybody's probably 
begging to find out who this is. Any guesses, Banny? He's not a Turkish international. I wouldn't know him from Adam. Uh, <laughs> go ahead. Tell me the answer, please, mate. You'll know him better than I do. So, he was born in London. Um, the reason why he can play for Turkey is his father was a Turkish Cypriot. Turkish Cypriot. Um, of course, Northern uh, Cyprus has got its own team, but it's not a FIFA-affiliated team. So a lot of people that are born there um, do play for the Turkish national team. Um, and that player, he was on loan um, during the time, was Cem Karachan. What's his name? Jim Jim Karachan. Um, of course, he was. He did play in the Premier League. Um, he was part of the Reading team that played in the Premier League. It was also at Bolton, Millwall. Um, you know, oh, he I... had a fairly, you know, fairly successful career. To be fair, um, so yeah, Jim was a former Cherry, um, who of course was our first Turkish international. So to be honest, I only found that out the other day. Um, yeah. Quite youth international though, mind. I mean, youth you know, not really, not really yeah. a full international in that sense of All the word, right. but then at this particular, uh, yeah, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm being pedantic. I'm pulling your leg. <laughs> no, you know, I do that, I, you've known me long and long enough to know I do that quite often. I do apologize, mate. You, no, know, that's you know, fine. I've got nothing but respect for you. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's fair enough. And do you know what? I enjoy that. You know, I enjoy it. But, yeah, we will be doing another cherry picking. I'm sure we are not going to leave it too many weeks, are we, um, next time round? It's only because of these Thursday night games, which are a little bit odd. Um, I don't think we've got a Thursday night game coming up soon. Um, you know, Probably two come not, along. no. No, two come along like buses, and then, you know, they've all gone again. Um, so <laughs> there we are. But... You know, before we sign off, you know, thank you for joining us, everyone. You know, of course, it is the anniversary of the passing of Christian Atsu um, this week. Um, of course, passed away a year ago um, on Tuesday to the day um, from the awful earthquake in Turkey, believe it or not. So, course he was playing for a Turkish side at the time and sadly lost his life um in that so our thoughts are with his friends and family of course as always and his former teammates but until the next show up the cherries and we'll see you in the next one thank you for joining us Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximize your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee, and terms apply. See McDonald's.com. <laughs> Too tired to clean your floors after playtime? Forgot to vacuum before your friends bring their little ones over? Let Yuffie X10 Pro Omni help. Powerful 8,000 PA suction removes debris and MopMaster dual mop pads scrub away stubborn stains with ease. Save time and keep your floors cleaner. Want to know more? 
Go to eufy.com, that's E-U-F-Y.com, and discover X10 Pro Omni, the best-in-class all-in-one robot vacuum for only $799. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport, powered by fans.